I remember in high school, I had a long sleeve shirt. It was cream colored with purple uh, mushrooms on it. This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. All right, everybody, coming to you from the global pandemic epicenter of America, Miami, Florida. Coming to you from the city that has given you the COVID-laced Miami Marlins. Coming to you from the city that just prepared for Hurricane Isaias, only to find out that the winds of this hurricane were as gentle as the winds of Shambhala, the mythical kingdom of Tibetan Buddhism. We prepared for a hurricane and we got a puff of breeze and I feel the fool. My younger son and I spent an hour and a half battening down the hatches, moving in things that were gonna blow away and nothing happened, nothing happened. I know most of you out there don't live in areas where hurricanes threaten, but it's a, it, the whole thing's a crapshoot. Uh, you know, you prepare for a, a bad hurricane and it veers at the last minute and you know, you breathe a sigh of relief, but you also feel like a fool for you know, putting up plywood. You know, what, kind of, what kind of rookie are you? Is this your first merry-go-round? Is this your first ride here? It, it is. I first will the, say it was only a category one. That's what I'm saying, man. Like when worst case scenario is a cat one, I'm not doing anything. I, I, all I did, I like, I have a couple folding chairs out back. I moved those a little closer to the wall. That was about <laughs> the extent of my hurricane prep. And I, oh my God, I went to the beach on Saturday. It was beautiful out. I, I, uh, I did way too much in retrospect. Uh, my meteorologist wife, who normally steers me right, uh, led me to believe that uh, we could get 70 mile, mile an hour winds. I have a PVC fence. I was worried it was gonna blow over. I have a pergola with a cloth top. I pictured it flying up in the air like the house in the Wizard of Oz. I mean, it was, a, it was just a, a nightmare in preparation. Uh, but, but thankfully, uh, it, we didn't it, get hit. It so. just ended up being a breezy day. <laughs> if that. <laughs> I mean, we, got a, we did have a couple of squalls blow, th- uh, blow through. Uh, you non-hurricaneites, uh, you know, the squall is where you get a little bit of rain, hard rain for like 10 minutes, and then that's it. So I didn't have to water my lawn anyway. But uh, now we got to do the big put back thing, which is a pain in the By the way, this is the Greg. Welcome to the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody, episode 23, and Chris Cody. This hurricane should have been called the Miami Hurricanes because it was all talk and nothing actually really happened. Ooh, ouch. Chris said that, not Greg. Um, (laughs) (laughs) As we come to you from Miami. Yeah, we got, uh, this is a fun show, believe it or not, even though we're talking about COVID and stuff like that. Uh, we have on the podcast um, Jordan McPherson, who covers the Miami Marlins for the Miami Herald. So he's at the epicenter of the epicenter. He's trying to make sense of all this, and he brings us the latest on everything that's happening. We get the latest. And we also have uh, ESPN star uh, Amin El Hassan in the pod house uh, talking about the heat and hoops and, and leftovers, I think, we get into. But before we get to all that, I want to mention, uh, I get a knock on my door a couple of days ago, and... I don't know about you, but, you know, when you're self-quarantining and you're in the middle of a pandemic, the unexpected knock at the door almost freaks you out a little bit. And it turns out to be a kid at the door, but he's like one of these giant kids. He's like 15 years old, but he's like 6'4". You know, the type. <laughs> uh, he's peddling something, candies or magazine subscriptions, you know, that fundraiser type thing. Uh, he's not wearing a mask. And so I'm like, talk- I don't even open the door. I'm talking to him through 
uh, glass and trying to, as politely as I can, trying to say, sorry, kid, I don't open the door for people I don't know who aren't wearing masks, you know, words to that effect. So I, that, that made me feel pretty bad. But, and then I have a guy, uh, we order food and the guy, I'm, I'm not going to say the name of the company, you know, I'll, I'll give you a hint by saying it rhymes with uh, sh- schmoover meats, uh, something like that, you know, I don't want, but uh, he, this guy delivering my food comes to the door without a mask. People are going nuts. People are nuts. Too many people are nuts. Not most people, but too many people. Delta airline flight the other day uh, is stopped, goes back to the gate and kicks off two people for refusing to wear a mask. I mean, I, I just don't get it. It's the epitome really of selfishness uh, or, or, you know, being willfully uneducated, but it intertwines with everything we're going through in sports. Uh, not enough people wearing masks, you know, by extension is one of the reasons why almost 40 players uh, have opted out of the coming NFL season already, why you're seeing players opt out in baseball, you know, why players in the Pac-10. Pac-12. Okay. You keep saying Pac-10. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, why, it's why players in the Pac-12 are aligning to demand uh, safety measures before they're willing to play a football season. That was crazy. It's all interrelated. You got to read, if you haven't, you need to check out that article. The demands of the Pac-12, I mean, they want to get paid. They want the Pac-12 commissioner to take a pay cut. Like, I get it. When you're in a negotiation, you come out with the first demands are going to be real crazy, but they're trying to change the game in the Pac-12. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They want to change the game before they're willing to play the game. And uh, I I love it when when players exercise power. It, It doesn't always work. Uh, but sometimes it, it gets them closer to where they want to be. And along similar lines, uh, Miles Leonard, uh, one of the Heat players. Did you say Miles or Myers? I said Miles, but it's Myers. God, you were on a roll today. I know. He's similar, right? Miles, Myers, come on. Myers Leonard, the Heat player, uh, stood for the national anthem the other day and it made headlines. It's amazing to me how everything is flipped on that. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was the players kneeling during the national anthem who were identified and, and they became a news story. And now if you stand for the national anthem while all your teammates are kneeling uh, in the wake of George Floyd, you're the one who gets headlines. Um, that kind of goes against everything that we're they, like, you know, I feel like he, you should be able to stand if you'd like to. I mean, the yes. whole thing about all of this is being able to peacefully express yourself the way you'd like. Right. Like if we start criticizing people for standing, then we're kind of just doing what we were upset about the the other people doing to the people that knelt originally. So like exactly. And Myers Leonard, for the record, is very pro Black Lives Matter and all the the fight that's going on. He he has uh, siblings, I believe, in the military. So that's why he just felt his need to stand but yeah it's it is crazy that that is fully flipped and that's the news story now the person standing yeah i i I think that people should be able to uh demonstrate and protest in whatever way uh their conscience feels comfortable with and look uh the first time i'm at a game and the national anthem plays nobody's going to be looking at me nobody gives a crap whether i'm standing or not but uh I'm, i'm gonna i'm gonna do two things a i'm going to stand for the national anthem because it's what i feel in my heart but B, uh, I support Black Lives Matter uh, 100%. And, and, and I'm as outraged as a human being c- can be when I watch that video of, of George Floyd being killed. 
So I, I don't think it's an oxymoron uh, if I want to stand for the national anthem while also supporting Black Lives Matter. I, maybe I'm wrong. Let's move on to the show because um, we're interested in to getting into this some of this stuff. And, and we're going to save uh, Amin Al-Hassan. He's going to bat clean up in the pod today. We're going to, our leadoff hitter in terms of guests is going to be the guy in the middle of the Miami Marlins as the guy who covers them full time for the local paper, the Miami Herald down here. Let's welcome in Jordan McPherson. I have to say, Jordan, welcome first. And second, um, as someone who works in Miami and covers the Marlins, you're not only at the epicenter of a global pandemic, but you're also covering the team that uh, has pretty much blown up Major League Baseball in the past 10 days. Um, what, uh, what can you tell us about the latest on the Marlins? Yeah, well, first off, thanks for having me, Greg. Always great to join you. Always great to talk with you. Uh, the latest update is as of Sunday morning, the 18 players who had tested positive over the last, I guess it's eight days now, had bust back from Philadelphia to Miami. They're all quarantined in a centralized location. Everybody else from the traveling party who's up in Philadelphia tested negative twice, both Saturday and Sunday, and were busing over to Baltimore for what's going to be a four-game series over three days starting Tuesday for them to finally start their season back up after basically having an impromptu week off. What can you tell us about who had to drive that bus? Because I feel bad. I feel like whoever got that assignment is just like, really? I'm driving this group of people back to Miami? Yeah, I don't have exact info yet on that bus driver. I certainly do not envy him or her, whoever that was, who had to drive 18 players who had tested positive for COVID-19. I'm pretty sure that ride is 18 or 19 hours if they went nonstop. So Man. whoever that was, I tip or, I tip my cap to them, but I would not put myself in their shoes. I'm picturing like Miguel Rojas driving the bus home. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing someone in a full hazmat suit piloting that bus. Uh, somebody who looks like uh, he's prepared for a, a lunar mission and taking a step on the moon. That's how the bus driver looks. I'm wondering, covering the team the way you do, what is a fair criticism for the Marlins organization or the, sp- the players specifically? Um, Well, we're still waiting to hear from MLB for them to officially give us their full investigation report, whatever they're going to officially call it, that we should hopefully be getting that soon. But the main thing would be, even if they didn't go out in Atlanta, like some reports said, whether they did or didn't, I guess that's going to be relevant depending on what the league actually finds. But a a lot of it comes down to the tiny things. I mean, you could see on occasion that, they weren't wearing masks properly or they weren't properly socially distanced at times in, in, dugout, in the dugouts. They did have some of the high fives and some of the celebrations after some of the big plays on Friday and Sunday. So tightening up on those little things could go a long way to hoping to prevent some of this moving forward. I think the, the most valid criticism for me right now, uh, or at least uh, the most valid second guess is why did they play that Sunday game? after a few guys had already tested positive. They play the Sunday game, and then all of a sudden the test positives go from three to a dozen, and you get some of the Phillies are testing positive. And uh, I don't necessarily blame the Marlins. I think at that point, Manford and MLB should have stepped in and said, hey, wait, whoa, what? You had a few guys test positive yesterday? You ain't playing that game. We're we're postponing this game. We're not playing Sunday. Uh, I wonder why that didn't happen. 
You know, I completely agree with you on that, Greg. And from the little that we get from Manfred, which, again, he doesn't really do public press conferences when any sort of chaos seems to erupt here. But from what he said on MLB Network on Monday was that the league did contact tracing, which found that only, I believe, it was one or two more players outside of the four who had tested positive were within close enough parameters per the CDC guidelines to have to sit out of the game, and then they cleared them to play. I still can't fathom the fact that on a roster with 33 players, that only two players were around these other three for within the protocol by the CDC is you're within six feet of them for a continued span of at least 10 minutes. I find it hard to believe that there were only two other players that were within that, that fell within that guideline that had to be sat, that had to sit out. And then secondly, for MLB to say, well, we followed the minimum, let's play. The minimum should not be the standard for playing when you're going through some sort of pandemic like this. They needed to have some heightened sense of security or heightened sense of worry, which it seems like they did after the fact with the Cardinals and Brewers once the Cardinals had a couple of players test positive. So at the very least, that's a positive seeing that they're moving forward on that front. And they took the mistakes that they learned from the Marlins from that Sunday game and are acting on them moving forward. But still, it seems like a very big error from the fact that the Marlins did play that game on Sunday. Okay, so the Marlins are back in action Tuesday in Baltimore following the bus ride from hell. And um, are you going to be there? Yes, I will. I'm actually flying out Monday morning. I get into Baltimore around 11.30, and games are set for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. There's going to be a doubleheader at some point in there because the Marlins were originally supposed to play four games against Baltimore this past week. They're going to try to get all four of those games in three days. And then the Marlins stay on the road and face three, do three games at the Mets and two games at the Blue Jays in Buffalo. So 23 days on the road before they play their first home game. How is the MLB handling uh, postponed games? Like every team is going to play 60 games, right? Like they're not going to have some, like could a team end up this end the season with, less than 60 games and then they have to go by winning percentage or like, do they plan on every game that's posted? The ultimate hope is that it's going to be 60 games for every team. But if it gets the situation where it's not, whether it's postponements due to COVID-19 postponements due to weather delay, which we've already seen the Reds have had basically their, their entire past series has been dealing with weather. They are open to doing winning percentage. If it has to come to that point, the goal is everyone playing 60 but if there are some teams that play 55, some teams that play 57, some teams that get 60, they will go the winning percentage route to determine playoffs. Jordan, will the Miami Marlins ever play a home game? That's a very good question. As of right now, their, the goal and the plan on MLB's side is after this, this four-game four set in Baltimore is for the schedule to go on as scheduled. Their first home game should be August 14th against the Braves. That's August scheduled 14th. as of right now. That doesn't mean it's going to happen that way. Okay. But um, that's how it's planned. For the- oh, okay. So August 14th, I'm going to pencil that in. Um, I will be uh, in the press box with you. I'll be the guy standing uh, six feet from you wearing a mask. So you'll, you'll know it's me. Well, luckily on our side, the Herald in Marlins Park, we have our own little booth that has two rows. So we'd be able, you'd be able to send one, I'd be able to send the other, and we'd be six feet social distance. So we'd still be set. We'd be good on that. Jordan, thanks again for joining us. Uh, follow this guy on Twitter, J underscore McPherson 1126. He 
covers the team that for all the wrong reasons is the talk of baseball. So follow everything he writes. And um, we've, we've enjoyed having him on the podcast today. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Jordan. That was good stuff. And um, hopefully we'll see you at a Marlins home game eventually. Now let's move on to Amin El Hassan. Interesting stuff from him on the Miami Heat and the NBA and some fun stuff uh, as well. Um, Amin, come on in. I mean, um, what have you taken from the, the NBA restart? I was watching the Heat-Denver game, and I was impressed by the, the, the pace of play. It just, it looked, other than the cardboard counts, it looked like a normal NBA game. I don't know what I expected, but guys didn't seem out of shape. The, the quality seemed pretty good. What, what have your been, takeaways been? Yeah, I mean, there have been a couple of games where there were guys who looked a little winded out of shape. I think LeBron is is one of the main yeah. guys. I've never seen Le- LeBron posted a video on his Instagram afterward in his hotel room on the ground saying, I, I still haven't showered yet. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever seen LeBron look that tired in my life, which is kind of a, a, a weird and scary place. And is it rust or is it maybe this is what it looks like to get into your mid-30s or you know, into the latter half of your mid-30s? I don't know, but there have been a couple of guys. Obviously, Zion looks very, very out of shape. But but you're yeah. right, uh, Greg. People were worried, and players, the weirdest thing are players were worried. Without fans, how will we get our competitive juices flowing? I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I've been at NBA practices. I've been at pickup games. You guys are maniacal with your competitive streak. Since when do you even pay attention to the crowd? And, and I think that's the great thing. We see they don't pay attention to the crowd. They play hard either way. <laughs> Greg, you said cardboard cutouts. That's baseball that's doing cardboard cutouts, making me question whether you actually watch the Heat game or not because oh, the basketball game had, like, the electronic fans more than you're the right. cardboard it's, it's cutouts. You're right. It's digital. It's digital. You're right. Semantics. That, that's, uh, Semantics. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, I mean, You know, uh, cardboard cutout is, is the default phrase for fake fans to me. Yes. It, you know, it, it doesn't matter how they're presented. But how impressed were you with the Heat? It, it seems like they can put up – I mean – this was the ninth time this season, I think, that they've scored at least 125 points. They can play, you know, you think of them as a, as a fierce defensive team, but I don't know. Am I too impressed by the Heat? Because I, I think they have a shot to run pretty deep. No, I, I, I'm with you on, on that as well. I think there are a couple of things. I was impressed by the defense this year. It's kind of weird. It's the opposite of, you know, what you just described. The offense has been carrying the team. And the defense, while hasn't been bad, has been quite the level that we've been accustomed to seeing out of them. Saturday night, we saw them defend aggressively and physically against a pretty good offensive team in Denver, even though they were missing some guys. I thought Jimmy Butler, who is healthy for the first time all season long, fully healthy, you see what that looks like. And a lot of the year, you know, pre-COVID, there was a lot of deferring, a lot of, hey, I'm just here to kind of make sure everybody else is great and calling Bam the star of the team and all that. But Saturday night, we saw Jimmy Butler, the one that says, give me the ball and get out of my way. I'm going to get a bucket here. He did that repeatedly. The shooter shot, and, and you know, Kelly Olynyk turned into Reggie Miller in the fourth quarter. And that's a different level of confidence. So you see Kelly Olynyk dribble the ball up and pull from 25, 30 feet. So I was impressed by that. Greg, I think the Miami Heat, if they stayed in the 4-5 seed and end up playing Milwaukee in the second round, I don't think it's beyond the imagination. Of, they're going to beat the Bucks in the second round. And they'll go to the conference finals at least. Let's go. Hey, I agree with you. And and I don't want to be Homer guy. 
uh, you know, sitting here for the Miami Herald, but they're 2-0 against Milwaukee this season. Um, Bam seems to match up well with Giannis. Yes. I'm not, not sure why. And when you look at the nine East teams still in this thing, uh, Miami has a 17-6 and record against the nine teams still in it for the East. So there's not a bad matchup here, except maybe Boston. Boston always mm. seems to be that's a big That's a big but, though. I feel like that is a bad matchup. It is, but, uh, you know, they're 0-2 against Boston, small sample. 17-4 and against the, the rest of the East uh, who are still alive. So, yeah, I, I think this weird season – the Heat actually have a, a shot at the NBA Finals. Like you said, Giannis matches up. I mean, uh, Bam matches up with Giannis very well. And the reason why is uh, because with Giannis, the matchup most of the time is there's no one big and strong enough to guard him who's also quick, or there's no one who's quick enough to guard him who's also big and strong enough. And Bam is, he's not as quite as fast or quick, but he's quick enough. And then obviously he's got the strength and, and the, more importantly, the length to bother Giannis. Uh, on his finishes around the basket. They're not dunks. He's got to finish over length when he's dealing with Bam. And I think that's just a bad matchup. And then um, beyond that, you say you got Jay Crowder. You got Andre Iguodala. You got Jimmy Butler. You've got uh, Derek Jones Jr. You got all these six, seven, six, eight guys who may not be as well equipped, but it's just more obstacles. It, it makes Giannis work harder. And not to mention Goran Dragic, who uh... – is is great off the bench uh, and and yeah. fine coming off the bench and you know when you've got a a premier coach like Spolstra who can uh, manipulate all these quality parts it, it just seems like a a real deep roster to me and um, right. let let me let me let's play this game you name me what you think are the legitimate good teams in the East right forget about Washington and 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 right. Orlando but give me give me what the the good teams are. You start with Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I mean, Toronto has championship blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston, I would put in there, particularly because they're a nemesis for Miami. Mm-hmm. After that, I, I don't think there's a team better than, than the Heat. Yeah. So they're 2-0 and against Milwaukee, 2-0 and against Toronto. If you want to really stretch, you can say, what about Philadelphia? They're 3-1 and against Philadelphia. They're 2-0 and against Indiana. So that's nine and one against those four teams, and then the yeah. fifth team is Boston. They're zero and two against. Right. So, right. you know, you, you gave the stat of seventeen and, and four, I believe, or seventeen and six. But if you if you seventeen and six, if you look at the teams that are that actually matter, they're nine and two, nine and three against them. That, I mm-hmm. mean, that's to me. If I'm a Miami Heat, I feel very confident about my fortune going through the Eastern Conference. Absolutely, and and I want to look ahead for a minute because as long as we're <laughs> talking heat in the NBA finals sounds a little dreamy, even though it is plausible, but here's, here's the big dream. Uh, Giannis in free agency a year from now. It's Giannis, by the way, you're, yeah. you're making me. Giannis. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm my, I'm Giannis. I'm, uh, yeah. Giannis. Uh, yeah. I'm sure somebody who loves him calls him Giannis, right? I mean, come on. Someone who loves him. No, <laughs> no. Okay. Giannis. I'm glad you corrected me on that. I don't rule the heat out of the Giannis sweepstakes. Do you, I mean, no, I, I, I don't. I, I think it's harder for when it comes to him in particular. The motivations may not be clear, you know, because you can justify anything. You can say if uh, they win the championship Milwaukee, well, then uh, he's delivered on his promise and then he leaves. 
But if they lose, oh, then he'll never win in Milwaukee. So then he leaves. Or you could do the other way, right? If he wins, well, why am I going to leave now? We're winning. I got to keep seeing how many I'm going to win. If they lose, well, we're so close. I can't leave without winning a championship. So it, it really is kind of the eye of the beholder as far as whether Giannis leaves or not. But it, let's just assume, you know, a, a time traveler comes to the future and says, He's leaving. I'm telling you right now, he's left. It's happened. There's nothing Milwaukee can do that can change his mind. Where would he go? That's a more interesting conversation. And to me, I think there are three cities that have very different uh, kind of appeals. Toronto, Dallas, Miami, right? Toronto, I think he's got a very close relationship with uh, Masai Ujiri. Um, It's an international city, way more international, obviously, than Milwaukee in terms of I want a big Greek population, but I also want a big Nigerian population. Toronto's one of the few cities in, in the world that can check that box and say, yep, we got that. Dallas, I think uh, the European kind of flavor that they have going on there is, is a big deal. Uh, obviously, the championship, all the three of these cities are championship caliber. And uh, I throw in Tony Ronzoni, who's in the news right now for kind of all the wrong reasons, but He's well-known on the international circuit, and he was one of the early guys on Giannis, so there's a relationship there. And then finally, Miami, again, when we talked about a year ago, maybe it was more than that, Chris, remember when we were talking about the Heat interested in Jimmy Butler? Mm-hmm. And I and said, we, and we absolutely, you and guys we mocked it. <laughs> That's not a superstar. What are you talking about? I've never right. heard of Jimmy Butler. And now I we said, love him. Now we love him. Because I knew he is Heat culture. Everything that those guys down at 601 Biscayne value and cherish and demand of their players. Jimmy comes in already pre-programmed. He didn't have to upload the software. He's already like that. Giannis is the same way. And Giannis is the kind of talent that, as we see Jimmy with Bam, Jimmy's no idiot. That guy's MVP of the league. Of course he's going to be the best player, and and I'll step aside and do what I can. If he did it for for Bam to this great result, it's, it's pretty clear he'd do it to Giannis. So... I don't know if that makes the Heat a favorite, but I do think that if you're talking about who are the teams that legitimately can say we've got a shot at him if he leaves Milwaukee, I think Miami's right at the top of the list with Dallas and Toronto. Well, I'm, I'm uh, eager to find out about this raging uh, leftovers controversy. I, I don't know anything about it. I missed that tweet. Oh. What the hell's happening with leftovers? Yeah, well, well, Jeff Van Gundy was on the air. They were talking about guys having certain routines on road trips. And now the bubble has disrupted the routines. And Mark Jackson, I believe, I don't know if he was talking about himself or someone else, a teammate, but he said there are guys who won't eat the same meal on back-to-back nights, right? Like if we're in one city, we had the steak, the next night, I'm definitely not having steak. Uh, And so Jeff Van Gundy took it a step further. He said, yeah, I don't eat leftovers at all. Because when he was growing up, there was one night a week in their house that was designated as leftover night. And that left him, quote, unquote, scarred. And so now he doesn't have leftovers ever. Every meal, every night is a brand new meal. And I I did not know that people live like that. Well, all right. Let me I got to jump in and defend him a little bit here. I am all for eating leftovers. I cook a meal on a Monday night. I'm going to put a little a lunch, a little container, fill it up, and it's leftovers. I am with Jeff Van Gundy from the aspect of I don't want to have that as my dinner any other night of the week. I'll eat it really? for lunch. I'll eat it for, like, I'm good with leftovers for lunch. So you look down on the leftover then? I don't love a leftover dinner. I love leftovers for lunch. You but. just said the leftover lacks prestige is what you said. <laughs> the shoe fits where it. 
Look, if, if you looked in my refrigerator right now, you would see nothing but tinfoil and styrofoam. I mean, I'm the king of leftovers, but here's the thing. But you I don't eat, eat it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't eat leftovers. My wife does. My, my son, who still lives at home, does. The, here's the leftovers I'll eat. Fried chicken and pizza. That's it. Those are my go-to leftovers. Chris, I feel like I asked you before I talk about my theory on leftovers, let me just ask you this question. Is pizza the undisputed number one seed of leftovers? Ah, no. Like the best yeah, food no. the no. day after. Chinese food. Well, no, really? Italian food too. Like pasta dishes from like an Italian restaurant, you bring it home the next day, it often tastes better. But I, I think of like when I get Chinese food, because you never eat all the Chinese food. There's always leftovers. Like when I think of leftovers, Chinese food is where my mind goes first. I don't love, I mean, pizza, you got to throw it in the oven. It takes, no. I, like, I like a microwave stuff. Like that's microwave. what, that's what makes pizza the perfect leftover. You don't even have to heat it up. Just give me the oh, cold no, pizza no, and I'll no, eat it. No, You never heard a show called cold Chinese yeah. food or cold pasta. <laughs> cold pizza was a TV show. Mm, Why? Because everybody has grabbed that slice. Like I don't have time. I'm running out the door and you can eat. It. I'm not saying that's the ideal way to consume pizza, leftover pizza, but I'm saying, no, of I'm, all I'm the, the other meals, other things you can have as a leftover, you can have pizza without warming it up. Was that the biggest risk ESPN ever took naming a show cold pizza? What a crazy name for a show. No, it's what's, what's even funnier is that first take was a segment. Right. It would be, it would be <laughs> like if back in my day became its own show and exploded <laughs> way larger than the Levitard show or anything else, right? Like to the point where people don't even remember there was a Levitard show? I mean, <laughs> You mean that guy who comes as a guest on the Greg Cody show on, on Back in My Day? <laughs> I don't like cold pizza, man. I, I, I don't like either. I, don't I have like to say, pizza. I don't. Wow. Love cold chicken, hate cold pizza. This is, hmm. this, I'm, I'm finding things out about the Cody family. You guys are <laughs> bourgeoisie. No to leftovers. No to huh? cold pizza. Wait, but so you're eating leftovers for dinner? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. So when I lived alone, forget for dinner. I would make, I would cook like once every three or four days and I would make a lot. And then every meal from then on until it was done was that, was that thing. So if I made pasta, I'm eating pasta for the next three days. No, no questions asked. Right. Cause I just don't want to cook now, obviously in a house, my parents live with me. So my mom does a lot of the cooking. Um, we'll have routinely, my mom will ask, what do you want to eat? And I'll say, you know what, what's left over? Let's just. I don't even want to think about it. Let's just eat. Let's clean this fridge out. And I love it. The food is good. It's just as good as the day she made it. It, it, it makes sense. And it's, it's, it's not wasteful. Um, it, it, to me, I just, I, I like leftovers. I don't understand this anti-leftover sentiment. You know, that speaks very well of you as a human being. I, I feel like if you like leftovers, uh, it just makes you look good. I don't know why. It, why, why is that, do you think? Because it, it, it makes you guys look like bourgeoisie, man. <laughs> you guys look like you're just too good for leftovers. Ooh, what's like on the leftovers. menu tonight? <laughs> I like leftovers for lunch. For lunch, but that's lunch. You, you've okay. automatically knocked it down a peg. I know. You told it, you don't deserve to stand alongside these beautiful first run meals you go with the second runs into, into yes. the lunch category. i always i take dinner more seriously than i take other meals i don't know what i'm what doing do, there what do you do with lunch what's what's the typical lunch is it always leftovers or no, no no i mean it's like either leftovers or i'll make like a turkey sandwich like since i've been working with home and making a lot of turkey sandwiches and stuff when i'm working like during the normal like i, I eat out for lunch a lot just because yeah it's like because it's convenient yeah, yeah. 
but All right, I don't what about you? What what are your what are your lunch thoughts? Yeah, uh, leftover pizza is a is a key lunch staple for me. If it's if it's there, I'm I'm going to eat it. I, I will reheat it, and I generally augment it. I drizzle it with a little olive oil, mm. uh, maybe put a little dust of Parmesan cheese on it, That's and nice. I like my pizza well done almost to a fault. It, it has to be right on that edge of being so crispy um, and and well done that it's. Mm crunchy when i eat it you know yeah not originally but as a leftover for some reason yes i do enjoy a reheated in the oven crispy pizza yeah. crust with the cheese still soft and oozing it's a nice contrast i actually found the best way to reheat pizza is not in an oven it's not in a toaster oven it's in a, a skillet or a frying pan leave it dry put it there and then cover it with like a metal covering wow and what happens is the it bottom. gets you that crunch on the bottom but it melts the cheese and makes it nice and soft and chewy on top. And that's a hack. Perfect- I like that. That is culinary genius. And, uh, and I will try that the next time I'm, uh, I'm reheating pizza. Um, on that note, uh, I mean, I, th- I think we're going to let you go. Do you want to plug anything? What are you doing? What would you like to- <laughs> oh, this has become my favorite question during the quarantine, during the pandemic. Right, Greg. You got a yes. new movie coming out or what? <laughs> oh, well, stay tuned on that space. It's still in the works, but the big things are, one, I have a bad movie podcast that I do with Zach Harper. It's called Cinephobe. We watch movies that are rated 40% or less on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> and then we review them and we laugh at them, or we say, hey, this movie is actually pretty good. Don't know what the fuss is about. Um, <laughs> Cinephobe, you can find it wherever you get podcasts. We recently had Stu Gatz as a guest, and oh. we reviewed Tango and Cash, which is oh, his wow. favorite all-time movie. Uh, another podcast to plug for me oh, is... Wow. Oh, yeah, I got two. Uh, BOMM, B-O-M-M. Uh, it stands for Black Opinions Matter, Expletive Deleted. Um, it is a cultural uh, podcast. We talk about movies, we talk about entertainment, we talk about pop culture, and we do it from a Black perspective. So we've had fun conversations, like what is something that you've worn to school or worn that you got made fun of, but you thought you looked great when you put it on. And we have serious conversations about, you know, what's happening in the country today. We've had guests like Jamel Hill and Bomani Jones and, and Carrie Champion, pretty much anyone who worked with me at ESPN who's black. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've had them as guests. So give it a listen, B-O-M-M, and then Cinephobe is the other one, is the Bad Movie Podcast. Those are two plugs. I'm going to leave you guys on this note. What is something that you put on that you thought, I am killing it, and then when you went out in the public, whether it was school or at work or wherever, or even on the internet, posted a picture, you got hit with just so much vitriol and ridicule that you, you thought to yourself, oh, this was a poor choice. This was pre-internet, but I did puka shells in eighth grade. That was not a good look for me. But at the time, were you made fun of? Uh, I think my, like, a couple of my friends who did it as well were like, Chris, this doesn't work for you. Like, <laughs> I know you're trying to do the thing that everyone's doing. That's cool. It's just, my, it's too tight. I think my puka shells were too tight. It was like yeah, it was not a good look. Like a joker. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I remember in high school, uh, I had a long sleeve shirt. It was cream colored with purple uh, mushrooms on it. Oh, wow. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it was hippie. It was trendy. It, it made me look cool. And I think I wore it twice because uh, it was not well received by anyone I knew or didn't know. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, how about you, Amin? What's, what's your, uh, your entry in that category? My entry is... It's pretty fascinating because it happened to me on the internet as I was an ESPN employee. And so I was on SportsCenter and it, it caused a ripple across Twitter, 
across non-sports Twitter, across Instagram. It was the full force of the internet was on me. I'm not going to tell you exactly what it was because you can listen Ooh, to the bomb episode. Wow. Last Monday's episode, last Tuesday's episode, you can look it up wherever you get podcasts. B-O-M-M. Fashion faux pas was the topic. It's right there. Wow. In the subject what a tease. What That's a tease. Teasing it. All right. I mean, thanks again. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. All right. Thanks to Amin El Hassan. That was a lot of fun. By the way, in that interview, Amin mentioned how healthy um, Jimmy Butler was in Saturday's game. It's uh, yesterday on Sunday. He actually missed uh, their practice. It was an excused absence. I'm not sure that it's real. They're not really giving a lot of details. People are speculating that it might be COVID related because Jay Crowder was quoted saying, we want to talk to him as soon as he gets out of quarantine and whatever he's in. So I'm not sure, but I guess that's some stuff we'll have to keep track of as we move forward here. Yeah, that's the weird thing about doing a podcast is that some news is very fluid and, uh, and we record this on Sunday and you could be listening on Wednesday and, and by then everybody knows what's up with Jimmy Butler. But as we're recording it, it's, um, it's a little bit up in the air. So stay tuned. All right. So I guess we got to do this Mount Gregmore thing now. <laughs> I think we do. And I think it's going to be Boffo. What? Boffo. B-O-F-F-O. If a movie was, uh, was like really big at the box office, had a great first week, it would be Boffo doing Boffo box office. That's what Mount Greg Moore is, the Boffo segment. It is Boffle. <laughs> Time now for Mount Greg Moore, the Fs, and we make history here. We read you the top five most popular names of each letter based on U.S. government records over the past hundred years. Based on the top 100 names overall, and F is the first letter we've done without five letters in the top 100. Therefore, we only have two F names to read right now, a number two and a number one. Wow, what a disappointment. Number two, Francis. And the number one F, Frank. Where my Fred's at? So anyway, here are the top five all-time Franks. No Franklins here. No Frankies allowed. Gotta be a Frank, quite frankly. First, the honorable mention. Hockey fans around the world can thank him for a clean sheet of ice. It's Frank Zamboni. Wow. See, that interests me. That's a good one. I'm learning something. The guy who invented the Zamboni's name is Frank? Right. I mean, well, you know, last week you... You learned, uh, begrudgingly, you learned about uh, Victorian poet um, Elizabeth Barrett Browning, but you just didn't, just didn't want the information. Well, I didn't learn that because I don't even remember what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, and now, the number five, Frank. He was a Monday night football fixture back when the MNF booth ruled the airwaves, Frank Gifford. That's the fifth best Frank of all time? That's right. This must be a sad list. <laughs> number four. One of the most splendidly dysfunctional TV characters of all time. The drunken, conniving patriarch of Showtime's shameless William H. Macy's Frank Gallagher. So we allow characters. Yeah, into this. yeah. Absolutely. I love how you're like, yeah, we let we let anyone into this game. As long as they as long as they know, go by Frank. Okay. Number three. He's a compiler 
compiling his way to Canton, straight out of the 305 and the U, Frank Gore. Wow. How about that? That's, there really aren't that many Franks, huh? <laughs> Number two, there's a place in my heart for anybody with balls enough to name their first two children Moon and Dweezil. He was the mother of invention, Frank Zappa. Hmm. And now, the reigning Frank of all time. He was rat packing it, owned Las Vegas, made the fedora cool, sang Fly Me to the Moon, and did it his way. The great Frank Sinatra. I mean, yeah, you got to go Frank Sinatra there. That's yeah, have to, right? The, I mean, he's the Frank of all Franks. I, I love you. You can tell your range is not what it used to be singing when you just tried to hit that that. Fly <laughs> me to the moon. Oh, my phone's going off. Hang on, just <laughs> landlining <Hang> it. <laughs> Hello, Greg Cody, 1980. Hello, you've reached Greg. Do you guys still have answering machines? God, you guys are old. I know. Hello, this you've reached Greg's house. <laughs> if you really want to talk to me, call my f- cell phone. <laughs> that should be the message. But anyway, um, so this is exciting because now Mount Gregmore pivots from F to G and will Greg be in the top five? You have to wait till next week to find out. I can't believe you didn't have Frank the Tank. I mean, if you're going to have fake characters from old school, Frank the Tank, I mean, Will Ferrell's character in old school, I mean. I, I don't, I've never heard the phrase Frank the Tank before. Okay. I really haven't. You old. Yeah. And you know it. Decent. You know what? Decent version of Mount Gregmore. I'm going to say this was a decent installment wow. of Mount Gregmore. I have to say, you're a Mount Gregmore hater of, of renown. So that, from you, is high praise. I have to admit that I did not loathe that segment. It's because you found out that Zamboni was a real person, and not only a real person, but one named Frank. Like, that's the kind of name that, like, if I was making a joke about who's the guy that invented the Zamboni, I'd say Frank Zamboni. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. I'm surprised Frank Torrey didn't make your list. You know what? (laughs) In my extensive research, he may have slipped between the cracks. Do you want to tell the audience who Frank Torrey is? (laughs) Well, Frank... Isn't Frank Torrey Joe Torrey's brother? Oh, wait, hang on. Ah, This is like an inside joke. All right, I hope this gets on the air, even though I I don't think it will. Because I used to have, look, the the manager Joe Torrey, I think his brother is or was Frank, but you meant it as we used to have a neighbor named Frank Torrey. I loved him. Uh, He and I shared the same birthday. And he passed away a good few years ago. But uh, Frank Torrey, yeah. If I had thought of Frank Torrey, he might have bumped Zamboni, as my honorable mention. I got to tell you that. <laughs> he really might have. Uh, good old uh, Frank. Frank Torrey. I know, right? Gosh. God, why'd you have to, you know, you brought me down because I'm thinking of Frank Torrey, my dear old friend. All right. That was a highly praised uh, Mount Gregmore. Had some fun with that. And now... We want to wrap this episode up, uh, episode 23 of The Greg Cody Show. Uh, thanks for Amin Al-Hassan of ESPN for joining us and for the Miami Heroes' Jordan McPherson in here. Uh, thank you both, and, and mostly thanks to anyone listening right now because you're my pod family, and uh, we, we do this because of you, and we've been successful because of you, and we thank you so much. Uh, come back next week. Big show coming. promise you that. Bye-bye. 
We did some sports this week. We did. Sports are back. That sort was, of. That was cool. Look at us. Sports. How about that? Yeah. Sporting it. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.